With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. I am your host, Ian Hardison. Today, we're continuing our team preview series with the Houston Texans. And if you haven't seen them already, we have the NFC North and AFC North already completed. We'll be going team by team through all 32 between now and week one. So without further ado, your 2020 Fantasy Football Houston Texans team preview. Starts at the top, and I'm not talking about Bob. I'm talking about Deshaun Watson. Anyone's should be anyone's idea of a top five quarterback in the game today, and particularly if we're talking about top five quarterbacks in terms of who do you want leading your team into the next decade? Because everything the guy's done as a passer and runner has been historically great to this point. Just among all quarterbacks that have started at least 16 games, Watson is fourth in completion rate, sixth in adjusted yards per attempt, fifth in passer rating, and that's 16 games ever, not in the last three years. 16 games in the history of football. I mean, Dabo Sweeney. You know, Clemson head coach, his whole Michael Jordan, Deshaun Watson could be the Michael Jordan of NFL. Hey, that's not out of the equation yet. Obviously, you're taking Mahomes over him, and after last year, we probably want Lamar Jackson, but at least in terms of fantasy football, guys, Deshaun Watson really could be the Michael Jordan of fantasy football when it's all said and done. Only Mahomes, and if you include Lamar's starts and not the games, uh, he was in there as a Wildcat quarterback as a rookie. Only Mahomes and Lamar Jackson have averaged more fantasy points per game than Deshaun Watson throughout his career. And a big part of that has been the rushing ability. And we see this time and time again with the high-end fantasy quarterbacks. Almost all of them have some sort of rushing floor. Deshaun is no exception. Only Lamar Jackson, Mike Vick, Josh Allen, Cam Newton, Kyler Murray, RG3, and Mr. Colin Kaepernick have more rushing yards per game in the history of the NFL among quarterbacks with 16-plus starts. So just absolutely insane. And look, losing Deshaun, I'm sorry, losing DeAndre Hopkins objectively sucks. He's amazing. Should be anyone's idea of a top-five receiver. Like, there's no way to rationalize that as being good. But again, the things Deshaun is, does, do we really think losing one really high-end wide receiver is going to turn Watson from this star among stars to just a league-average QB? I don't think so because, you know, we'll get the rest of his skill position group. But while losing Hopkins sucks, like he has ne- – Deshaun will have never played with a worst offense in terms of his alpha number one target. Losing that sucks. But getting all these extra weapons he now has? I mean, this is a team that for a couple of years, you know, when Hopkins would be playing hurt and Fuller was usually out, like who could they even throw the ball to? We talked ourselves into Kiki Kuti a few times. I mean, no offense to Kiki out there, but clearly this has been an offense that's always been one or two injuries away 
from pretty much, you know, trotting out the same types of dudes the Eagles had to do towards the end of the 2019 season. So I think at a minimum, they've avoided that. Whether Watson can get the same just unreal ceiling moving forward remains to be seen, but I would be shocked if we see anything less than more top five fantasy-friendly goodness from Deshaun Watson in 2020. Moving on to backfield, David and Duke Johnson. So, you know, first elephant in the room with David Johnson. Yes, I've seen the run against Tampa Bay where it looks like he had a piano on his back, could not get to the outside, did not look like he could ever run fast again. But, hey, second half of the season, the guy was playing through a back injury, and he has passed his physical going to Houston. We got to assume he's a little bit closer to the guy that we saw in the beginning of the season, I think. Just after having an offseason to get healthy, you know, I'm, I'm not saying O'Brien always makes these trades with, you know, 100% rational reasoning behind them, but I have a hard time believing a completely cooked version of David Johnson would have fetched any sort of trade interest, let alone DeAndre Hopkins. So, assuming David Johnson isn't quite that washed yet, and we get the guy we got in the first part of the season, that can still be a productive running back. I mean, through weeks one through six last season, only McCaffrey, Dalvin Cook, Austin Eckler and Nick Chubb have more PPR points than Mr. David Johnson. Now, a ton of this was as a receiver, but he was making some legit dudes miss. I mean, live real game film from 2019, David Johnson, Bobby Wagner in the open field. David Johnson won. So, again, you know, the Buccaneers snap was bad, but quietly entering a pretty nice situation here in Houston. And, you know, if you just go through the guys that Bill O'Brien has trusted to be his featured back since he kind of took over in 2014. Arian Foster that first season, 260 rushes, 59 targets. Uh, Lamar Miller, when he comes along in 2016, 268 rushes, 39 targets. Miller next year, 238 rushes, 45 targets. Even last season, Carlos Hyde had 245 rushes and 16 targets. So it's a true three-down roll for David uh, in Houston that he should be expecting to get. Now, will he be used as optimally as he kind of was last season in that first part because again all the real good plays you saw from david was when he was lined up in the slot or out wide and i mean that's what really helped him become that fancy darling in the first place inside of bruce arians offenses was arians assistance as using david as a true wide receiver and quietly the texans used duke johnson in the slot or out wide on 26 percent of his snaps last season i mean that is sky high compared to other running backs around the league there's a decent chance that david sees a similar snap workload they use their three wide receiver sets a lot of two running back formations everyone out there can catch the ball and you got one of the league's better quarterbacks doing it so there there is a scenario where this offense looks pretty 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 great everyone and david johnson you know whether they are great or whether they aren't great i think he's going to be heavily involved now i am a firm believer that Duke Johnson is the better running back here. Today, yesterday, you know, for the last few years, I think Duke has been better. And I think their career stats indicate that Duke's been the more efficient guy. He's got the higher, you know, body mass index. If you want to try to say Duke's not fit to run between the tackles. I mean, Duke's never missed a game in his NFL career. Yet, you know, we got huge action. And Bill O'Brien have convinced society that the that the Miami Hurricanes all-time leading rusher isn't a three-down back. That he's some kind of scat back. It's absurd. You know, I would love if Duke could get freed at some point, but it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, particularly not when David Johnson was, you know, just acquired for pretty much one of the most beloved figures in the Houston Texans uh, franchise history. So I even worry if, if, you know, and some people say if and when, 
David Johnson does get hurt. Like, I don't know why we should expect Duke to inherit this three-down role. I think the chances of the Texans bringing back a Lamar Miller, Devontae Freeman, anyone to kind of handle those early down touches that for some reason O'Brien just doesn't think Duke can put on his plate. I just don't see Duke getting the three-down roll, and that's why I do have him ranked a little bit lower than some of the other more confirmed handcuffs. So expect plenty of touches for David until the wheels fall off in 2020. On the wide receivers, Will Fuller, Brandon Cooks, Randall Cobb, Kenny Stills. That's our projected top four. And look, in terms of adjusted yards per target, I mean, Watson's got his top two targets ever, Will Fuller and Kenny Stills. Part of that is, you know, having the field stretchers and not having someone like Hopkins, you know, is definitely running many of his routes in the underneath and intermediate areas of the field more than ever before in 2019, honestly. But either way, I mean, we have seen Watson with and without Will Fuller, you know, turn to a different quarterback. And Fuller has just been fantastic whenever he's been healthy enough to play with Watson uh, throughout his career. 22 games with Watson. Fuller has averaged 4.3 receptions, 66 yards, 0.6 touchdowns per game. That's good for 14.7 PPR points per game. That's fine, ladies and gentlemen. And I know Fuller, he'll, you know, most Will Fuller thing ever last season, catches three touchdowns one week, drops three touchdowns the next week. I mean, that's what you're getting with him, but we want that boom. And the bust could be a little bit, you know, less busty this year now that he doesn't have to worry about DeAndre Hopkins taking away the majority of the targets. So, you know, we haven't seen it to this point, but Will Fuller with 120-plus targets in one season, that could be pretty scary, people. And it's not costing you a lot to acquire that for right now. Same can kind of be said for Brandon Cooks. I mean, he, we have another just speed demon, a guy that has produced, a guy that has a ton of injury questions that is, are causing a lot of people to just fade him entirely. But the real big question here, I mentioned this with uh, Watson before. You know, Watson's yards per attempt career tanks with Will Fuller in the lineup compared to with him out of the lineup. So Brandon Cooks, throughout his career, just in terms of yards per attempt with him on the field and with him off the field, each of TB12, Drew Brees, Jared Goff, have averaged more yards per attempt with Cooks on the field than without. I just did a study on how wide receivers get traded in the offseason doing their own teams. Only Brandon Marshall has been a uh, wide receiver one the following season on their new team since 2010. So, you know, tough for DeAndre Hopkins to do that. I'll still treat him as a top five guy, but story for another day. Cooks, though, popped out because he was one of only, you know, four or five guys total to get wide receiver two numbers. He did it twice. I mean, he has been traded to a new team next season, gone for over 1,000 yards. And, you know, the concussions are very problematic. But if Brandon Cooks can get 16 games with Deshaun Watson under center, I'd be surprised if he doesn't clear 1,000 yards. Then we have Randall Cobb, who's kind of the forgotten man in all this. And he probably shouldn't be, guys. I mean, this dude just got $18 million guaranteed to go sign with the Texans and he had a lot of drops last year one of four guys to drop at least nine passes on the season but still averaged 10 yards per target I mean he looked good throughout most of the season he's an underneath threat we've seen stretches where Kiki got fed I mean they've always kind of won a slot wide receiver in this offense there's a non-zero chance that Randall Cobb leads this team in targets it's just a wide open pecking order right now with a bunch of guys that could very well get injured so Kenny Stills I mean just throughout his career I think he's been undervalued uh, relative to what he provides particularly yards per target uh, but it just seems like he's the odd man out here in three wide receiver sets at least until someone gets hurt but you know all these guys are being priced closer to their floors I mean no one has an ADP higher than like wide receiver 35 at this point whatever Will Fuller is probably at, at the moment and if one of them does stay healthy 
with Deshaun Watson, they could be a wide receiver one. I mean, that's possible. And if they, you know, kind of stay healthy and, you know, Cook's pass is fuller and uh, even Cobb eats more than we would like him to. Like, wide receiver 35, wide receiver 40 range, that could still be met. So I just think all these guys are being priced much closer to the floors than ceilings. Uh, quickly on the tight ends, actually saw a bunch of two tight end formations out of the Texans last season. I think that was due to kind of their aforementioned lack of depth when Fuller was hurt uh, at certain points because they just didn't really have anyone behind uh, Hopkins. So Darren Fells, Jordan Akins. Honestly, like I was saying this earlier, if they can get David Njoku in Houston and just give him the outright starting role, I think a really good tight end could easily catch 10 touchdowns from Watson in a season. At this point, though, I, I don't know if any of them are really worth are, are really worth building your team around, obviously, in fantasy. I mean, you don't have to because they're both so cheap. If you get Darren Fells as like your tight end three in some best ball stuff, then I don't hate it because he does eat in the red zone. I mean, they just run that... They run that little RPO play where he just kind of leaks out into the flat and Watson just kind of scrambles around until he's able to squeeze the ball into him. And we see Mahomes and Kelsey. Mahomes and Kelsey did that exact play like against the Texans two or three times in the playoffs last season. So Hopkins only had one more red zone target than Darren Fells all of last season. He's going to get fed. He is as touchdown dependent as they come as long as Jordan Akins re- remains around there. But Darren Fells... Low-key has some double-digit touchdown potential. I don't think he gets there. I think a really good tight end could get there. And the fact Aikens is there lowers that floor considerably. So that has been the positional preview. My rankings for these guys. Uh, QB, I have Deshaun Watson as my QB5 behind Kyler Murray ahead of Josh Allen. RB, I have David Johnson as my RB17. Still behind Melvin Gordon, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, but I do have... David ahead of, you know, Leonard Fournette, Todd Gurley, Le'Veon Bell. These veterans on offenses where, you know, we aren't quite sure what we're getting. We're not quite sure if it's the same player. But I think David's touch floor is much higher than those other players. I have Duke as my RB47. Like I said, I'm a little lower on him than some of the other uh, vultures. I have Madison, Pollard, and Edmonds, RB39 through 41. So he's still kind of in that tier. I'm just more confident those guys would get the three-down roll if and when disaster strikes. Will Fuller is my wide receiver 31, one spot behind Deontay Johnson, one spot ahead of Michael Gallup. I like all those guys, and it just continues to speak to how deep wide receiver is this season. Cook's just a little bit lower at wide receiver 39, one spot behind Darius Slayton, one spot ahead of Miko Hardman. Man, I might even move Cooks ahead of Slayton after this podcast. I'm feeling good about the guy. Uh, Cobb, I have lower wide receiver 65. I mean, that's a or 60, yeah, 65. One behind Corey Davis, one ahead of Michael Pittman. I could probably bump Cobb up too, guys. I mean, there's just so much uncertainty in Houston. And that's the thing with these rankings. Like, yeah, I had him ranked that low, but you better believe I'm going to prioritize Cobb in that range of the draft because his upside is so much higher than other people. Uh, Stills, wide receiver 77, same point could be said. Darren Fells, tight end 29, one spot behind Dawson Knox, one spot ahead of presumed Bears starter Jimmy Graham. So the Texans' win total is 7.5. It's tough, everyone. I mean, nobody allowed more yards for play on defense than the Texans last season. I don't think they exactly fixed it. I mean, again, it's like for the last five years, and now more than ever without Clowney being there. If the defense can keep J.J. Watt healthy, they'll probably be above average more weeks than not. If they can't, they're going to be one of the league's worst defenses and need Deshaun to play hero ball for 60 minutes at a time. They're very quickly turning into the Seattle Seahawks of the AFC without the previous Super Bowl success. So I'm going to take over 
7.5 out of respect to Deshaun Watson. I just think if we can get 16 games out of him, he's too good to not flirt with the 500 record. And, you know, 7.5, it's a little bit insulting for a guy that, you know, was up 24 points on defending Super Bowl champs in the second quarter. Now, I, I fully realize they blew that. I realize this is not the same team as last year. But I think some of the offensive concerns could be overrated considering the, uh, you know, uh, plethora of weapons that Watson now has at his disposal. So that has been your 2020 Houston Texans fantasy football team preview. Thank you all for listening and until next time.